Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. Sometimes it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. Alright, welcome everybody. This week's Parsha has got it all. There are kings and sorcerers and intrigue, talking donkeys, angels, blessings, curses, just you wait. But before I get into that, I want to say a couple of thank yous. I mentioned last week that it's now possible to become a supporter or sponsor of this podcast, which helps immensely as I work to expand this and other liberal Jewish learning opportunities And I promise, I pledge to you not to talk about this every week. But we did have a group of people who put up their hands to become the first weekly supporters of 7-Minute Torah. And so I want to say thank you to John David Kling in Israel, to Jessica Anisman Rains, and to the Torah Study Group at the Jewish Community of Ojai in Ojai, California led by Kelly and Ira Levin, who told me that their group listens to 7-Minute Torah every week as part of their weekly Torah study. So thank you to all of you. And if other listeners are interested in becoming sponsors or weekly supporters of 7-Minute Torah, you can do that at patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, slash 7-Minute Torah, and I'll put that in the episode notes as well. Now, as promised, or as per my teaser at the beginning, this week's Parsha is really quite a story. We're reading from Balak, which starts at Numbers chapter 22, verse 2, and goes through the first few verses of chapter 25 of Numbers. My podcast thoughts this week begin with a tweet. I have a little bit of a Twitter obsession, so, you know, feel free to say hi, because I'm probably there. So I was scrolling through last night, and I hit upon a tweet from Rabbi Danya Ruttenberg, who I don't know personally, but I've read some of her stuff. She's a well-known author and thinker. And she was tweeting about the recent U.S. Supreme Court decision to allow prayer at the 50-yard line during a public high school football game. This, of course, is potentially problematic for Jews and members of minority religions because it has the potential to create religious coercion, to create a situation where a student feels compelled to participate in a religious activity that's against their own beliefs. That's not exactly what I wanted to talk about today, but that's the background for the tweet. So Rabbi Ruttenberg writes that she thinks lots of our colleagues, lots of rabbis, would happily lead a mincha service, an afternoon service, at a public high school football game in order to prove that this ruling violates the Establishment Clause. And she continues, many of us are pro-shenanigans. So I was amused by that, and I wrote back, pro-shenanigans is actually my official denomination. And then I went to sleep. And when I woke up this morning, my little tweet about pro-shenanigans being my denomination had over 300 likes, 7 retweets, and a bunch of comments. I'm telling you, you never know what's going to take off on Twitter, but clearly, the Jews are in favor of shenanigans. 
I'm telling you this not only because I'm amused by the idea of shenanigans as an official denomination, but also because this week's Torah portion is filled with shenanigans. As I said, we're reading Balak, and Balak is the king of Moab. Moab is a country on the other side of the Jordan River from Israel, in what today would be Jordan. And as the Israelites are making their way across the wilderness from Egypt via Mount Sinai and ultimately toward the Promised Land, one of the places that they need to travel through is Moab. The king of Moab, Balak, is quite afraid of this mass of people coming his way, afraid of their numbers, afraid of their strength, afraid that they'll overpower his kingdom. And so he hires a what is essentially a rent-a-prophet named Bil'am, to curse the people. And that's the story that we read in this week's Parsha. So you can see where the shenanigans begin, but don't worry, there's a lot more shenanigans coming. Bilam initially says no to Balak's people because God appears to him in a dream and says, don't go with them, don't go curse the Israelites. But after several attempts, he agrees to go with them. God says to him, you can go, but you can only say what I tell you. And then interesting things start happening. So first of all, en route to curse the Israelites, Bil'am's donkey refuses to budge. It stops short and will not go. Bil'am yells at the donkey. He hits the donkey. Nothing. Until finally the donkey opens its mouth and starts talking to him. It says, Halo anochi atoncha asher Which means... Aren't I the donkey you've been riding on all day? Have I been in the habit of doing this kind of thing to you? And Balaam says, no, you haven't. And at that moment, the Torah says God opened Balaam's eyes, and he could see that there was an angel of God blocking the way of the donkey. So the donkey had been able to see that this angel was standing, sword drawn in the road, but Balaam the sorcerer couldn't see it. So then they continue on their way, and Bilam the sorcerer is standing with the king, overlooking the Israelite camp. The king says, okay, now curse them. And Bilam opens his mouth, and all that comes out is words of blessing. He says, ma'ekov lo kaboel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I doom when the Eternal has not doomed? And the king says, no, 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 I didn't tell you to bless them, I told you to curse them. So he tries again. But again, only blessing comes out. He says, Lohibit avon biyakov, there is no harm in sight for Jacob, no woe in view for Israel. And the king is getting angrier and angrier. I always picture him jumping up and down, fuming like Yosemite Sam with steam coming off of his head as the prophet Bil'am tries to curse but can only bless. And ultimately, he opens his mouth one more time, and what comes out again are words of blessing. And these are words that you might know. This is Numbers chapter 24, verse 5. Ma tovu ohalecha Yaakov, mishkenotecha Yisrael. How good are your tents, O Jacob, your dwelling places, O Israel. That blessing, of course, is the opening line to the opening song of the daily morning service. You may know a melody or two for it. So we've incorporated this blessing that was supposed to be a curse 
into our daily prayers. Each and every day there is a reminder of this story, a reminder of all these shenanigans in our morning liturgy. And I want to offer a possible reason why. If you read through Balak, it's clear that it's not just a story about angry kings and talking donkeys. It's not just a fairy tale. It's a story about doing right in the world. And it's a story about knowing what's right in the world. Balaam doesn't want to curse the people. He doesn't want to be the mouthpiece for somebody else's evil. He wants to do what's right. And it takes him a while to get there. It's a bit of a a meandering road. But ultimately, all the stuff that happens, the dreams and the talking donkeys and the altars and sacrifices that I didn't even mention and the jumping up and down and the blessings and curses, all of the shenanigans... These are the root by which Balaam understands and proclaims what is right. So maybe we often think of shenanigans as just mischief, getting into trouble in fun little ways. But I think what's being described in this Parsha is public actions by which Balaam stands up for what's right in the world. And that, I believe, is also what was going on in that tweet Because remember that the background for the whole shenanigans discussion was about standing up for what's right, in this case, regarding separation of religion and state and the protection of vulnerable minorities, standing up for the way things ought to be in the world. And that's why I think the idea of pro-shenanigans resonated so deeply with so many people. I know I'm making a lot of this thing that was kind of a joke, but the truth is, Judaism has a long history of speaking out for what's right, even in and especially in a situation where those in power aren't doing what's right. That goes back to the very beginning of our people. There's a story in Genesis where Abraham argues with God in order to save the lives of innocent people. And that was practically the job description of the ancient prophets. Their job was to speak truth to power, to tell the king, to tell the government, to tell the people of the country all the ways that they were not living up to their responsibilities, to take care of the poor, the vulnerable, the powerless. So Judaism has always been pro-shenanigans. Judaism has always said that we have a responsibility to speak out for what's right. That's true all the time, but it's especially true when there's wrong coming down from those in power. And maybe that's what Bilam meant when he said, Matovu Ohalecha Yaakov, that there is goodness that emanates from within our tents. That if we can maintain a vision of the world as it ought to be, and we can continue to speak aloud and to act in public in concert with that vision, that we can ultimately bring about that world. And I just want to say that I went back to check on my tweet when I finished recording this, and it's up to more than 500 likes. We Jews like our shenanigans. Let's keep it up. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoy this program, please leave a review on your podcast app, and please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash 7-Minute Torah. You can also join us in our Facebook group, 7-Minute Torah Listen and Discuss.